have an anchor that keeps the soul. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. In Genesis chapter 3, we have a record of the fall of man. You remember God had created Adam and then from the rib of Adam, the Bible tells us he made the woman and brought her unto the man. Adam then said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken from the man. God placed them in what we would call a utopian environment. The best of the best. Their every need was provided. God had set forth one stipulation. They were not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because God said, the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. Chapter 3, the record bears out that Eve took of that forbidden tree, as did Adam. They both ate and they both died. Spiritually, they began to die physically as well. But I want you to pick up with me in verse 8. In verse 8, the text says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. I imagine, based upon this reading, you've come to the conclusion that Adam tried to blame his wife Eve, and she tried to blame the devil for their fall. The blame game has been going around for a long time, hasn't it? Since the garden. There are a lot of folks in our world today, sadly, who are unwilling to take responsibility. They won't own their mistakes. It's not uncommon to hear people blaming others for their plight in life, for their difficulties and trials and temptations. When things are amiss, it's easy to point the finger at somebody else, to try to cast the blame on another person. In our lesson today, I want to use Genesis 3 as a springboard to think about this question. Who will you blame if you're lost? Who will you blame if you're lost? Sobering question, isn't it? You know, the Bible talks about the danger of living in a lost condition. Paul sums it up, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. The other side of the coin, however, the gift of God 
is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So let's just imagine that one day you stand in the presence of Almighty God. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, He will one day come with all His holy angels. He will be seated upon the throne of His glory, and all nations will be brought before Him. So here we are. Your name is called, and you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ to give an account of the deeds done in your body. The verdict rendered is unfavorable. You're lost. So who would you blame? Could you blame God? You know, the Bible says God would have, listen to him, all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, 1 Timothy 2, 4. Peter would write that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The very nature of God is love. You remember 1 John 4, 8, God is love? God has declared His love for those of us who belong to the human family. Matter of fact, the whole catalyst behind His redemptive plan is love. Ephesians 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for the great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sin, made us alive together with Christ, raised us up together with Him, made us sit together in the heavenly places, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. The great golden text of the Bible. If there is one verse that is burned into our memory, it's got to be John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Could we rightfully stand before the Lord on the day of judgment and indict God for our lost condition? What a question. You know, the Bible says, but God commends His own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God has made it abundantly clear He desires the salvation of every person. That's us. God takes no delight in the death of the wicked. That's what Ezekiel said in Ezekiel chapter 18. And yet that same prophet had said, the soul that sins, it will surely die. God is interested in you as a human being. More importantly, God is interested in your soul. And He wants you to be saved. So if you stand before the Lord on the day of judgment and the verdict rendered is guilty, you can't legitimately blame God, can you? What about Jesus? Could we somehow hold Him accountable for our lost condition? You remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for the many. I think about when Jesus summed up His mission in Luke 19.10. He said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Is Jesus interested in you? You better believe it. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for your sins, didn't He? Didn't Paul say, Him who knew no sin, He became sin? 
on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Now I want you to think about something. Jesus as the second member of the Godhead, the one by which the world was made, according to John chapter 1, verse 3. This eternal God, wasn't it John who said in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God? That's who we're talking about. And Jesus was willing to leave the glories of heaven, come to a sin-cursed earth, suffer, bleed, and die for whom? For us. Peter said he bore our sins in his own body. He bore our sins in his body on the, on the cross, that we being dead unto sin might live unto righteousness. Listen to Jesus in John chapter 15. Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. When you look at the cross, and you stand at the foot of Calvary, and here is the Son of God whose arms are extended. Do you know what Jesus is saying to you as a member of the human family? Jesus is saying, I love you. I want you to be saved. Paul said, you have heard of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though He were rich, yet for your sakes He became poor. That you through His poverty might be made rich. Who would ever think of casting blame at the feet of the divine Son of God. Can we blame Jesus for our lost condition, the one who went to the cross on our behalf, the one who came to comply with the will of the Father, who said of God, and this would apply to His redemptive plan, I always do those things which please my Father. When Jesus engaged in His public ministry, you hear him saying over and over again, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of my Father which is in heaven. So if we are lost, we can't blame God. We can't blame Jesus, can we? What about the Scriptures? Could we, could we justifiably blame the Word of God? You know, the Holy Spirit's the one that has revealed for us God's will. Could we somehow indict the Scriptures? The passage I read a moment ago, 1 Timothy chapter 2, recorded by the Apostle Paul, and Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 37, said, the things that I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. So here's what God, through the Holy Spirit, said. He would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus said to those who have this idea they can't understand truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. God has given us His Word. For what purpose? For guidance and direction in life. Didn't Peter say that God's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness? In other words, anything and everything that we need to know about living a godly life in Christ Jesus has been revealed. Where? In His Word. Paul in Ephesians 5, 17 said, And be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How well do you know this book? You know, when we read the Scriptures, there are certain facts that we must come to believe. One of which is Jesus. 
is the Son of the living God. And Jesus Himself said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The very same Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. God has declared his love, his will for us through his word. Jesus, the very son of God, we have his word. This word will one day judge us. And you know, the Bible says today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 said, today is a day of salvation. Note the emphasis on today. So would we be justified in saying to God, well, I'm lost because of your word. The word has made it abundantly clear that God's interested in us. And there are facts to be believed and there are commands to be obeyed. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 22, Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and enter through the gates into the city. You mean to tell me that there are commands that I must be willing to honor? That's exactly right. Didn't Jesus say, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. That is a prerequisite to honor the Word of God. Has the Bible explicitly said what we must do in order to become a child of God? Sure. Didn't Paul say in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, that salvation is in Christ? If salvation is in Christ, and all spiritual blessings are located in Christ, Ephesians 1, 3, then the question is, how do we get into Christ? And Paul answers that. The Word answers that. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. So in Galatians chapter 3, Paul said, you're all sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. When we obey the gospel, what then do we enjoy? Forgiveness of sins, Acts 2.38. All spiritual blessings in Christ, Ephesians 1.3. We live in hope of life eternal which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. Now, I know that there are some who say, you know what, I just can't understand. And there are those who have this idea that the Word of God, that the Word of God is too difficult to comprehend. But that's not what Jesus said, is it? Paul said he received revelation from God. He took that revelation and wrote it down in a few words. He said, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. The question is not, can we understand it? The question is, do we want to understand it? So as you stand before God one day, can you legitimately say, I'm lost because of Scripture? What about the church? Could we somehow say, to the Lord Jesus on that final day, I'm in a lost condition because of the church. How many times have we heard people say, the church is full of hypocrites? You ever heard that? That is the crutch that some people want to lean upon so that they can somehow live a life of unbelief. Let me tell you what. 
When you read Matthew chapter 23, Jesus severely denounced in a series of woes the scribes and the Pharisees. Do you know why? Because in verse 3, He said, They say and do not. He identified them as hypocrites. So in Matthew 23 and about verse 33, Jesus said, speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees, the so-called religious leaders of that day, He said, You offspring of vipers, how shall you escape the judgment of hell? In other words, because of the way you're living, you're headed for the place called Gehenna, the hell of fire. Listen, the idea that the church is full of hypocrites and that's my crutch to not live for God. Let me ask this question. You want to go to hell with hypocrites? That's where they're going. So you think about the members of the body of Christ faithful members of the body of Christ, what is it that they want for a lost and dying world? Salvation, isn't it? Didn't John write in Revelation chapter 22, the Spirit and the bride say come. The bride there is the church. And Jesus instructed the church to go into a lost and dying world and share what? The gospel. So do you think that when we stand before the Lord on the day of judgment, that we can look around and identify members of the body of Christ and say to God, I'm in a lost condition because of members of the body of Christ. I don't think we can. The reason is because there is a divine side of the church. There is the perfect side of the church. That would be Christ. He is the head of the body. The body is the imperfect side of the church. And listen, the last time I checked... I don't know any of us that are perfect. Do you? None of us are perfect. We are imperfect people. And we admit our frailties and faults in life. Look, I'd be the first to say, I've made my share of mistakes. I've made mistakes. I'm not perfect. Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, said, Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. In other words, you follow my lead, insofar as I'm following in the footsteps of Jesus. So can you legitimately say to God one day, I'm lost because of the church? No. So we can't blame God. We can't blame Jesus. We can't blame His Word, nor can we blame the church. So here's the question. Who can we blame? If we're lost... And we stand before the Lord on that great and final day. And we will. As Paul said, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us must give an account of himself to God. So we're in the presence of God. As John said, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. And another book was opened. So here we are before the judgment seat of Christ. And we have been called upon to give an account of how we have lived in this life. So on that final day, who's to blame? I guess we could begin by blaming Satan, the devil. I mean, his intent since the garden has been to deceive, disrupt, and destroy the human family. I mean, in Genesis chapter 3, all was well in the garden. 
Life was good for Adam and Eve until the serpent came on the scene and deceived them. Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil is interested in one thing, and that one thing is to deceive you, to disrupt the peace and harmony and contentment that you have in your life. When it's all said and done, he wants to destroy you. He wants you to spend eternity with him in the lake of fire. Paul said, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why, Paul? That you might be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes of the devil. A lot of folks in the world today poke fun at the devil. And you'll hear people say from time to time, the devil made me do it. Look, the devil didn't make us do anything. Doesn't make us do anything. We give in to temptation, and then, as a result of that, we bring upon ourselves the problem of sin and the consequences of sin. So I guess we could blame the devil. Didn't Mother Eve say in the garden when God asked her, didn't she say, the serpent deceived me and I hate? Let me tell you what, the devil will promise you everything, but he will deliver on nothing. He can paint a nice picture. And he makes things so, look so appealing and so good. He wants you to be enticed. I mean, I think about in the Garden of Eden. The devil was slick and deceptive. And that's how he operates today. So we could blame the devil. We could blame Satan. But then, secondly, may I suggest... We need to blame ourselves. When it's all said and done, we're the one who has to stand up in front of the mirror and take accountability, or rather, take ownership, right? I mean, we're all accountable. So when it's all said and done, who is ultimately responsible? I'm responsible. You're responsible. You have responsibility to take care of of your soul. So let me ask this question. How much do you love your soul? You know, Jesus asked on one occasion, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Taking ownership for how we live and how we have lived. I submit to you today that one of the real problems and one of the real reasons why people are lost, first and foremost, they lack spiritual vision. I mean, we look at life from the vantage point of the here and now. It's all about what I can get today. I'm not worried about tomorrow. One of the greatest lies of the devil is you have tomorrow. How many people do you think are in eternity as we speak who thought they had another day, another week? A lot of folks. I shared the story not long ago about when I became a Christian as a teenager. And I clearly remember that summer Sunday standing in the parking lot and an older member of the church came to me 
And as people usually do, they congratulate you for becoming a Christian. And this lady at that time was probably in her 70s or 80s. And she said, my brother was sitting in the pew one Sunday morning. He was going to become a Christian, and his friend sitting next to him said, wait till next week. And she said, he drowned that week. That's the devil. The devil wants you to think you have time to spare. Solomon said, who knows what a day may bring forth. If you're living for the here and now, and it's all about what you can get out of this life, you better get it. And you better enjoy as much of this world as you can, because when it's done, it's done. Paul said, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Let me tell you, the devil has clouded the minds of a lot of folks. The emphasis in their lives right now, just like that rich farmer in Luke 12. Business was good. Barns were overflowing. So he made a corporate decision. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there I'll bestow all my crops and goods. Only problem is, God said, tonight you're going to die. So what about you? What's your vision in life? Sometimes folks are lost because they lack spiritual vision. Others, makes me think about in Revelation chapter 3 when the Lord Jesus censored the church at Laodicea. They had this idea that spiritually speaking, they could see well, and Jesus said, you're blind, poor, miserable, and naked. Sometimes what we think and what we are are two different things. And then what about spiritual values? What's your value system? Do you have a value system? If somebody were to ask you this week at, at work or at school, or maybe across the fence, if somebody asked you, what is your purpose in living? What would you say? I mean, what would you tell somebody? What, what's your life all about? Could I tell you what Solomon said? Solomon said, fear God and keep His commandments. For this is man's all. That's what life's about. If you miss that, you have missed everything. We are to live to bring honor and glory to God. If we fail in that, then we fail. So you're standing before God. It's time to take ownership. The verdict read, guilty, guilty, guilty. So what do you expect? Could I tell you what to expect? Expect to be cast into a lake that burns with fire and brimstone. Brimstone is associated with sulfur, a sickening, suffocating, intoxicating. Jesus said, cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. You'll be severed from the presence of the light of God throughout all of eternity. Jesus said, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you ever hurt so badly in life that you gritted your teeth? The pain was that immense. Read recently the experience of Ashley Judd shattered a leg and she said that she had to bite a stick because the pain was so immense. No relief there. None. That'll be your fate. And then think about this. 
The Lord Jesus will turn to you and He'll say, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And here's the sobering thought. Hell wasn't prepared for you, but that's where you'll spend eternity. And so for the ceaseless ages to come, you'll have to live with that knowing thought. I could have, I should have, but I didn't. You remember the rich man in Luke 16? Son, remember. You remember all those invitation songs that we sang? Verse by verse by verse. You remember all the sermons that you heard, all the pleas for you to become a child of God, and you said no. Do you remember the pleas for you to be faithful to God, to live faithfully in His presence, to be restored? You said no. You've got to live with that. You've got to live with that forever. So, who will you blame? You have the opportunity right now to take ownership for your life. If you haven't obeyed the gospel, today's the day. Pentecost Day, Peter said, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. If you do that, God will put you in the church, and if you're faithful till death, the promise is the crown of life. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. to the rock which cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.